1: Welcome to Kelly and Remya on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Remya Amithan.
2: Kelly McDonald here.
1: And we are the hosts of the show. Thanks for joining us for the next two hours. We've got so much to get into, and I know it's getting repetitive. We say that every day, but that's because it's true. And the thing that I wanted to start off with, Kel, my favorite color, but I want to point to an accessory that I'm wearing, that I wear pretty much daily, which is my Apple Watch, and I have a pink band on. I ended up with this pink band because they didn't have any other colors that I wanted, like, you know, you even call these colors black or gray, uh, and they didn't have those colors, so I thought, I guess the next best thing is pink, but specifically in the style, right? So I got this fabric band. It's got like the Velcro strap. Uh, It's soft, it's um, movable, very different from the silicone athletic band that is more sweat-resistant. Right, the one that comes with it, right? Isn't that the one
2: that comes with those?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know if that's Mm. still the default, but when I bought this watch, that was the default. I wanted to switch over to something more comfortable and everyday and thinner, so I ended up with pink. I wanted to ask you, do you remember a time when you've had to compromise specifically with color for a product, or do you care enough about? Color?
2: I care enough, and generally, my care enough is usually, "Oh, I'll just take the black one." But exactly. I, I have because I have no idea, and I don't know when I wear different things. I'm, I'm colorblind enough, even when I had more vision. So I really don't know. I, as a kid, I judged colors. My favorite colors, I like, really, were based on the name. No. if i like the name of no a color way. purple that was my purple favorite It is a nice sounding name, color right? i liked it so tell me since you chose the pink which is not one of your favorites what are your more even less favorite colors yeah like a couple of those Oh, oh so yellow. sad
1: i have to mention this oh, because yeah. and I, I should have known we'd go down this but i don't love saying it out loud that i don't like colors because I know people who love colors. My mom has uh, talked about colors and beauty and bright and personality mm-hmm. my entire uh, life. And I still am like, yeah, black and gray all the time, every day.
2: What? How about orange?
1: I don't really know if I like orange or not. That's the other thing, by the way, I'm colorblind to preface all this, yeah. to put a yep. blanket on it. How about you? Do you have a least favorite color?
2: Um... Well, I, I tend to associate the colors more with the food that is associated. Orange, I never like the smell of so No, I don't like the color either. Even though I prefer so I don't mix things up. I, I like black socks, that kind of thing, just so it's easy. But yes. I can't stand black licorice. Oh, and no, I a no. buddy of mine used to love it. And he, whenever he saw me, he'd, oh, hi, Cal. And... That was just too much for me. But I can't say I despise the color black just because, and black's not really a color, but I I despise black because of that. Um, So no, I don't really, because quite frankly, I don't really have a concept of them. When Mm -hmm. I was a kid, there just seemed to be a lot less colors. Now there's tons of them.
1: Well, yeah, now there's variants of colors, and we seem to call the colors by their variants instead of just the generic blue. Exactly. Yeah. But I do like the word turquoise, going back to, you know, Colors Mm. sounding pretty. I always assumed turquoise was really pretty because it sounded nice and
2: teal. Yeah, and that's what I would do. Yeah, teal's okay. I I can't think of the one that I uh, that I really like. There's a few of them. That and then I started to like ones Mm -hmm. in French.
0: Oh, oh,
1: that's a whole another conversation. We'll save that for later on in the show. Let's find out what else we have today on the show. Mushrooms. We're going to talk about that in a while. Mushrooms provide great flavor in dishes. They also provide us with a lot of health benefits, so we'll get into it with Julia Karantis, our nutritionist.
2: When Suzy York decided to use her youngest daughter's college fund to start Suzy Fat. She created a truly worldwide venture for herself, culminating in her latest product, the 4X Better Chocolate. We're always here to talk about chocolate. Shortly, we'll learn a little more.
1: I want to jump into one more thing we have before we run to our break. As there's a step down after admitting to an inappropriate relationship with a former staffer, experts say preparation is key to protect both employees and employers from the risks such relationships create. Now, this is my way of honouring Valentine's Day, by the way. Employment lawyer, (laughs) employment lawyer, uh, Liar Senthuru, says the power and balance in such relationships means there's almost a presumption under the law that it's not fully consensual.
3: Really, all it would take is for the person, the the subordinate, to say that that was not consensual. Even though it may have gone on for a while, but
2: all that person will have to say that it's not consensual, and that's it. There, there would be complete liability under human rights laws uh, for the uh, for the manager, which is why a relationship like that is so problematic and, and risky.
1: What a sticky thing to navigate. Uh, Cynthia, the same lawyer, also says there are no laws in Canada given dealing directly with workplace relationships so it's up to companies and organizations to set the ground rules themselves i mean mm. such a such a kind of wishy-washy concept workplace relationships yep. and how they're handled how they can end up being handled uh, consent not consent you know Whatever it is, there's always these scenarios where people have to come out from and and admit to or put on the table professionally the relationships that they've been involved in. And I think that in itself can be a pretty big moment.
2: Almost makes you feel like companies have to mail it in, call up, make up something and hope that it sticks if anything comes mm. to fruition or any problems occur but it doesn't sound like the courts would be in their favour.
1: That part is what gets me. There's no real laws or legislation, so really every company for itself, but uh, I'm wondering if Danielle McLaughlin would have something to say about that. I know you're right Eh, Mm -hmm. sometime in the near future. After the break, we're checking in with Danielle Zonka, and she's got a different conversation on love for Valentine's Day. She's going to tell us what she loves about her job on Kelly and Ramya.
0: Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back.
1: This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI. Thanks for joining us via AMI-tv, AMI-audio. We are live until 4 p.m. Eastern time and packed with conversations for you on the Valentine's Day edition. If you care. Just saying. It is Valentine's Day. Happens to fall on the same day. And in honor of that, we have a conversation about love coming up for you with Dr. Danielle Jankine. She's our veterinarian on Ask a Vet. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems
4: that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends.
1: Danielle joins us with the graphic on screen of a black cat using a purple phone. Danielle, it's always nice to have you back on, and as Everybody's talking about love. You decided you'll join in on the conversation and tell us what you love about your job. I like this angle. Yeah,
4: yeah. no, it's, uh, it's definitely a good day to talk about, you know, what is absolutely great about being a veterinarian. Um, And of course, you know, the most obvious one, of course, is the cute puppies and kittens, you know, I mean, we have to get that one out of the way right (laughs) off the bat, you know, because of course, we all love these little teeny babies with their cute little fuzzy faces. And, you know, by the time we see them at eight weeks or older, you know, they're actually starting to show off their little individual personalities. And, you know, and this is always so fun to discover. So, you know, among the kittens, you know, the ones that will eventually be what I call the love bug cats, you know, may already be exhibiting a tendency to sort of cuddle in and Aww. you know, and they'll be purring when you have your hands on them. And you know, these little guys are inherently little sweethearts, you know. um the other the other kinds of that I call them the mischief makers, you know, these little kittens <laughs> they they kill me. <laughs> they you know, they're impatient with sitting still, you know, because that's boring, you know. And if I don't give them a reason to stay on the exam table, you know, they'll start to fight with me about being there. So, you know, I know I've got to distract them or interest them in a treat. So sometimes I get a pen out, you know, for them to play with, you know. And I can already see that these little guys are going to be big trouble at home.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Danielle, when did you start... When did you first realize this was the field you wanted to be in. Were you that kid that always, or a teenager, or when you were going into school, you decided, I think I'll go as far as to be a vet?
4: No, I did, actually, it was, it was something I thought about, you know, even as a kid, um, and then, you know, I was raised on a, on a farm as well, and so, you know, I, I had um, a lot of large animal experience too, so it, you know, yeah. it was sort of a long-term thing. I don't actually remember ever wanting to be anything else.
1: That is very sweet. What else do you love about your job then, knowing that you've always kind of wanted to do this? Well, you know... um
4: I love, of course, the little puppies, you know. Um, some of them are playful and confident well-socialized, and they do really well with food. Um, and working with food-motivated dogs is, you know, really great because they're really happy to let me do whatever with them as long as they get paid for it. In <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, they're happy. <laughs> I'm happy their people are happy too and the other the other puppies that I really love are the lazy ones you know um, these are the personalities that are so chill you know that they're comfortable enough to stretch out on the exam table and doze throughout that visit even when they're perfectly healthy <laughs> And if they're not dozing, they're placidly watching the proceedings with interest, completely unfazed by anything that's going on around them. And you wow. don't run into them oh. very often, but you know, they oh, always man. make my day when they show
1: up. The <laughs> laziest of them all. And and before we move on, I wanted to ask you, is your cat a cuddler?
4: She is not. Okay. Um, so um
1: Yep,
4: yeah, she is she is my personal assistant. <laughs> So she, she follows me around, you know, chatter, chattering with me or, or chatting with me, and she wants to be involved in everything I do. She wants to sit on my books when I'm reading them and, Aww. you know, watch me make dinner and all that kind of stuff. We have an island in our kitchen. She sits on the stool and watches me while I'm cutting up vegetables.
2: Love you know. Man, she Cuts sounds like a too. supervisor more <laughs> yes. than anything. So, she Danielle, <laughs> let's talk about the relationships that you form with people because I'm curious, and I know this is the... Uh, probably non-animal person question coming out of the crowd here. You know, who has to say? So do you find that a lot of the your your clients are they similar at all in personalities to their owners?
4: Well, um, no. Like, I don't. I don't know that I would say that. Um, but you know, I, I guess I would say I'm not really sure that everyone considering a career in vet medicine, you know, thinks about. Um, the connections you make with people, you know, when you apply to vet school. Um, But, you know, if you work in general clinical practice, you know, you you soon learn that at least half of your job is communicating with people. You know, you're explaining things. You're helping them make decisions. You're getting along with your coworkers and your colleagues and other practices. And, you know, like your job can provide some amazing opportunities to connect with people over your shared interest in their pets, and especially if those people become long-term clients. And, you know, it really feels amazing to help people get through a tough time with their pets. And, you know, it's kind of awesome to get to know them well enough to ask, you know, how are the kids doing? How's your job going? You know, because people are really often very interesting. You know, they have cool hobbies and amazing talents that blow me away whenever they're willing to kind of share that about themselves you know what we're talking about their pets.
1: Mm-hmm. and of course regular visits right so you do get to know people re- regardless if their pets are coming to see you
4: yeah yeah for sure like if you're it, i'm sure vets that work in emergency clinics and stuff don't get quite mm-hmm. the same you know thing but yeah. if you work in like you know a private practice that's kind of a general practice you definitely do yeah
1: how about the funny things That you've come encountered with over the years,
4: for sure. You know, and
1: um, my job is often laced with humor. Uh,
4: Funny situations come up all the time, and you know, some sometimes they're related to things that animals do. So you know, like a dog that vomits up underwear after being sedated
1: for surgery. God, (laughs) oh,
4: funny and embarrassing.
1: Uh huh.
4: Yes. Or the nervous pet that fills the exam room with a choking cloud of gas, you know? And I remember one incident where me and my assistant kind of stumbled out of there gasping into fresh air. (laughs) We we actually heard staff in another room down the hall start asking, what is that smell?
2: (laughs) Do we have a gas leak somewhere? Call the company. That's
4: right.
1: <laughs> and, you know, oh, clients
4: sometimes have a sense of humor, you know, and I love that, you know. Um, I recall one person whose pet had required an enema, and when I called, you know, to ask how the weekend had gone, you know, the response I got was crappy, but that's what we wanted, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, that's amazing.
4: Okay. Yeah, but and, you, you know...
2: You... Oh, go ahead, then. Sorry,
4: Oh, I was just going to say my, my job also gives me the chance to laugh at myself, you know. Like, I suspect that few other careers can humble a person quite so thoroughly at times, you know. Um, pets regularly evade my best efforts to get them to stop chewing and licking at itchy body parts. You know, some of them just can get around or they're undeterred by cone colors, vintage right. boots, protective clothing. And, you know, we like to think that humans are smarter than animals, but don't you believe it? Mm-mm. Some of us know uh, this isn't lies, actually true. Lies, absolutely <laughs> lies, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But at, at least you get, um, I would imagine, this is one of the things I think so many people hope for or wish they, they, they'd get is that satisfaction in what you do and, and when things work out or just in serving the client. That, that must mean a lot too.
4: Yeah, so, I mean, there's a huge satisfaction, you know, when you can really help an animal that needs it, you know, um, especially if you can cure it. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people think this is all about the medical knowledge, you know, knowing how to diagnose something and applying the proper treatment. Um, But it's actually a lot more nuanced than that. You know, there are barriers to diagnosis and treatment in vet medicine that have nothing to do with the medicine itself. So those might be financial barriers or maybe physical limitations to what a client can actually do for their pet. For example, like some people with really bad arthritis in their hands, you know, really can't pill their cats, for example. Um, Mm. And there are tons of similar reasons why a pet might not, you know, be able to get the kind of gold standard medicine for their condition. So it's really satisfying to find ways to get past these barriers, you know, and really help these pets and their people.
2: Wow. Wow. And that's where some of those relationships that you make Mm -hmm. along the way, whether it's dealing with other veterinarians or other uh, suppliers, anything, right?
4: Yeah, exactly, definitely for sure, and you know, along a similar line of thought, you know, is when I actually get to manage to nail down a really challenging diagnosis, you know. I mean, all that's, I'm sure, get used to the most common conditions that we see all the time, and you know, we start to suspect those with the history, you know, we're pretty sure by the end of the exam and, you know, everything's confirmed with some testing, Um, You know, things like chronic kidney disease, ear infection, diabetes, you know, all of these things we see on a regular basis and we get good at recognizing them and treating them. But maybe once or twice in your career as a vet, you know, will you come across a condition that is so unusual that you will probably never see it again? Right. You know, and I can tell you that it's immensely satisfying if you actually manage to figure out what's going on in those cases you know it's, it's happened to me twice in 24 years but i got to oh. say that you know you really got to love those days when right. that happens
1: and the 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 high five moments that come with that right but it's true i think that this is part of the deeply the, the deeper satisfaction of even just having picked this career choice feeling like you're advancing yeah. it
4: yeah yeah for sure you know that uh, you know you get that that constant learning, you know, and that's another thing that I really love about mm. the job, you know. Um, animals are actually quite amazing teachers, you know. And when I think about, you know, what I knew about animal behavior and, you know, how I interacted with animals and people as a new graduate, and, you know, and how much I've learned and how much better I am at that now, you know, it's it's pretty incredible. And, you know, animals have taught me so much about how to read their behavior and respond appropriately. And, you know, going along with that whole learning theme, you know, the profession itself has changed so much. You know, there's so much more to know now and so many new options we have for treatment that we just didn't have decades ago. I remember when I was a student in vet school, for example, my roommate's cat had fleas. And the best treatment available for that at the time was to spray the house and the cat with insecticides. And, you know, the house, you could spray it, it would be good for six months, but the cat had to be moosed with smelly stuff every week. And not surprisingly, the poor cat would run every time he saw me with the can of flea mousse in my hand. And, you know, these days, you know, we have a once-a-monthly month uh, monthly application of a few drops on the skin. will take care of that flea infestation, something that was, like, unimaginable back then. So, right. you know, we, we have so many new options for diagnosis, treatment, um, and all these have come along since I started my vet career. You know, we have new medications available. We have MRI machines. We have canine rehabilitation therapy like none of these things were commonplace um, when I graduated and you know keeping up with all of that certainly make sure that my job is not something I can just put my brain on a shelf for and that's actually pretty amazing you know I think um, that lifetime learning thing is a really great thing
1: about the profession that is awesome well Danielle you know we have just a couple of minutes left is there's anything you've left on the table to this point about what you love <laughs> about your job anything at all feel free to mention it <laughs>
4: well you know I gotta say that I love being here on Kelly and Ramya Aww. I love you guys <laughs> I
1: mean, it was
4: quite fantastic not something I've ever expected to do in my career but you know it's um, it's been really great you know being on the show and, and um, you know being able to bring some of these things you know to everybody's attention I think it's been wonderful wonderful experience we're
2: certainly not going to ask if you've learned anything from us we don't want to know (laughs) what terrible bad habits that's right we don't (laughs) want to know about bad habits uh it's really wonderful always having you come around and explain and something like this a topic and letting us in behind the curtain of what goes on
1: is beautiful
4: that's great i'm glad you guys are enjoying it
1: we're always learning something from you and all the people and the animals that you've worked with and any kind of fun, interesting, engaging information you've brought to the show. Danielle, looking forward to whatever you have planned next week. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, you guys take care. Thanks for having me. Dr. Danielle Johnkind is our veterinarian, and she joins us every week for Ask a Vet. And, you know, these kind of get-to-know-you segments with her are always a fun time, Kels.
2: Mm -hmm. They are, and we learn so much.
1: Yes, as always. After the break, we're talking mushrooms... Uh, just the kinds that go into our food. They come with health benefits. They come with all kinds of great flavors for our foods. Nutritionist Julia Carrantes has more on mushrooms after the break on Kelly and Rumia.
0: Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Rumia return with more in a moment.
1: Kelly and Rumia on AMI. Thanks for coming back and joining us on the show. I'm Rumia Umuthan in Toronto. Kelly McDonald joins us from London, Ontario, and we both have the skyline of Toronto behind us. and We've got some pillars and some purple and white, all the night stuff. Uh, speaking of which, I really enjoyed mixing paint colors to learn about the primary and tertiary and secondary colors skills in primary school. Did you memorize
2: what was what? Because that's the only way I could remotely do it or pretend to.
1: You know, the blue and red makes purple, the blue Mm -hmm. and yellow makes green, that stuff. Yes.
5: Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah. I I couldn't
1: see it, but I enjoyed mixing it, getting real messy. And yes, even the memorizing of what does what.
2: Yeah. So did you guys use that, like the stuff easy to wash off? Did you actually use paint or? I I, I never was in charge of cleaning up the mess. I don't know. Yeah, when we do stuff, I like markers. I didn't really love using paint because I always thought I'd be going home and, how did you get your
1: paint? Yeah, pulled? exactly. <laughs> I don't know, but somebody else will deal with it, right?
2: Exactly. No, I... There was always some clean up, aisle five, my, my, my Kelly's desk.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, let's keep moving and talk a little bit about nutrition with Julia Karanches.
5: I'm Julia Courageous. Join me on Kelly and Remya as we dive into the wonderful world of nutrition and wellness with tips to stay healthy and live a vibrant lifestyle.
1: Julia, I'm sure you've used the word colorful in the past to describe, you know, good looking salads. (laughs) So I am almost afraid to ask you, but do you have a least favorite color?
5: You know, I don't love
1: pink. Okay, me and you both. There you go. Well, then I mean, take
2: that yeah. watch off, from you.
1: Yeah, I know, right? It's the only color they had. It's the only color. Nice. I,
5: I appreciate it on other people, but it's mm-hmm. not something that I welcome into my
1: palette of life. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think what's pink that could be in our food, but we'll see. Uh, we know it's not pink. Mushrooms, and that's what we're talking about today. I love mushrooms. I love mushrooms, too, although, you know, there's
5: lots of people that hate it. I feel like it's yeah. like salon it's a love it's either you love them or you hate them um and this topic is a big one i mean we could go on forever there are so many mushrooms and so many ways to use them to use these mushrooms there are mushrooms that we buy via grocery store and then there's other ones that we take either as a tea or as a capsule in terms of like a supplement um and and they have so many benefits to them way above what you know the button mushrooms would give us that we put on our pizza so you know, nonetheless, whatever mushroom it is, I think it deserves a conversation because it's it's extensive. This topic,
1: yes, uh, agreed. Now there are medicinal mushrooms and edible. Do you know how many of the edible mushrooms we can find in our grocery stores?
5: So there's there's a lot of edible options. I mean, more than I, to be honest, than I thought. Um, there's about ten that you can buy in a grocery store, which seems like a lot. That is a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. We would think like cremini and button mushrooms, but there's also portobello, oyster, and gnocchi mushrooms, which I know sounds foreign, but I think if you ate one, you probably would be familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Puccini mushrooms. Um, The oyster ones are the tinier ones that probably feel more like a noodle in your mouth with the top. You know, that's, I think, how best to describe them. And, um, it's it's nice to point out that even though these mushrooms are not medicinal, that they do have their own set of benefits. Because the medicinal ones, those are sort of in another category, and those have even funnier names. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know. If, <laughs> you might find you might find them via again a supplement or a drink. Things like turkey tail mushroom and cordyceps, and these are mushrooms too. These are part of the fungus family that we call you know medicinal mushrooms or functional mushrooms. Mm. This is another word that maybe. Maybe it's floating around there in people's vocabulary, functional
1: mushrooms. Yeah, okay. that, that's mm. where you find those. I went mushroom picking. It was so close to home, too, around Toronto. And okay. I, I've tried, like, five of the mushrooms you've mentioned. Uh, and before that, I had only tried, you know, two <laughs> the button yes. and the crimini but it was so interesting to learn about the very specific properties not just nutritionally which we'll talk about with you but the shapes the sizes yeah. the colors the textures yes. how to cook them how not to cook them mm-hmm. um you know blending them like the taste difference when you add two different mushrooms together and how they yeah. they work well uh, tastefully together it was incredibly fascinating
5: it is it's really interesting i mean they're they're Yeah, they definitely have different flavor profiles. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got oyster mushrooms and enoki mushrooms, which are significantly smaller in in size. And then you've got the giant portobello mushroom that right. can basically be a burger patty. Yeah. Um, right. yep, you know, yep. and they all offer yeah different different flavor profiles and therefore different uses. And it's really it's really interesting. Yeah, you know, you well, got a when tomato, you tomato, basically you have the Roma tomato, the beef steak tomato, and like a cherry tomato.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I always know? wonder in the family of mushrooms or what we call the fungi, how many versus what we can eat cooked the right way or, or prepared the right way yeah. versus how much is actually out there that we're not supposed to eat. Um, <laughs> but let, Let's, you know, like I always wonder you, because they we used to warn us so much, right. As kids yes, don't go out true, there yeah. You might get it and you get so scared of it. I'm not sure I'd do a taste thing unless I knew for sure. Okay. You know, I don't know if I want to pick something and then take it and try, try eating it. But obviously they, they're going to tell you how and everything mm-hmm. like that at a yes. trip like you took, but you worry I know I used to really wear, I don't want to pick up the wrong thing. I don't want to eat a bad, they scared us a lot as kids. But let's talk about the eating part of it. Like, I mean, what is the point of adding them to our food?
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, is there even a nutritional point? Otherwise, why would we eat them? But I mean, any food grown in nature has something to offer. Otherwise, you know probably wouldn't have it. So mushrooms are a fantastic source of fiber, and they also contain good amounts of vitamin A, uh, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And I think this B12 content is really important to note Mm -hmm. because B12 is commonly found in meat. And often you see uh, mushrooms as a replacement because they have this meatier texture or they have the potential to have this meatier texture depending on, the, depending on the type of mushroom that you're choosing. So the fact that they have B12 is awesome because that's where you would get it from meat. So you now you've taken the meat out. If you're vegan or vegetarian, you're obviously not eating it. You never want to take something out and not replace it. And then we can see now or we can understand the benefit of replacing that meat component with a mushroom because it's although it doesn't have the protein content it has some of these vitamins that we would find within within meat which is really awesome and you can also find you know vitamin d in mushrooms they're one of the only vegan sources that we can get in the pro so in the produce aisle it's really the only food that you're going to have vitamin d in, which is which is another cool fact about mushrooms yeah Yeah, for sure Yeah. yeah i know it's cool right
1: I did not know any uh, any of that with mushrooms other than like the they feel like meat you know meat substitution for yeah, texture yeah, yeah
5: yeah and the vitamin D is, is important because a lot of vitamin D supplements are sourced from lanolin which is sheep's wool and if you're vegan you're not going to consume that because no. it's animal
1: right yeah Wow. Yeah,
5: so it's really it's it's a fun fact to know where things can come from because and un-
2: more understandable, right? Like as to why it is that replacement when we look at someone saying, "Well, it's a replacement for for someone who doesn't want meat on a burger," mm-hmm. and you think, "Well, geez, what does that do for you? Just eating more vegetable?" There's a right. really good reason to do that.
5: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to know the reason why it can be very motivating yeah. to, further, you know, research how beneficial yes. the substitutions can be. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And how often you want to put them into your uh, diet and lifestyle, right? So let's go back to showing love to the portobello mushroom. Now we know <laughs> it's out there, especially as a, a vegan burger choice, but it tends to be maybe intimidating for people to want to try out. I I think it is. It's really huge. Yeah, and you know, usually a little too
2: much mushroom.
3: (laughs)
5: It's 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 definitely a lot. Um, but this one is is the variety of a mushroom that is often the substitute for meat. Um, because you can sub it for the bun. I mean, just based on the shape of it alone, it it would mimic that of a a hamburger bun. Um, and the and the structure of it, you could use the bun, or you could use it as a patty because it also grills well. So. Because it's large, it would sit on a grill or a fry pan if that was your choice, Um, or like, you know, those Foreman grills where you just compress it in. So it would grill well, and then you could also slice it. And when you slice it, it would be, you know, approximately the same size and shape as slicing steak in a stir fry so wow. you could grill it like a beef patty or you could slice it like chicken or beef and use it as a stir fry with other vegetables and cook it that way, which I think is very not intimidating because stir fry mm. is uh, it's a common food here.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I'm sure even people who aren't the biggest mushroom fans, if they come across it in the forms we're talking, but they'd probably be all for it. But Julia, do all mushrooms when we're talking, do they all have a significantly different flavor?
5: They, they do, and I'm sure Mary would have a lot to say about that. But yes, different mushrooms offer different flavors, um, just like a red, you know, red wines. Mm-hmm. You know, all you know, you've got a category of red wine, but within that category, those red wines are not equal. You know, like a Shiraz tastes very different than a than a Bacot Noir or something like that. So mushrooms would, you know, that's a good analogy when looking at mushrooms is that even though they're all called mushrooms and they're all from this fungi family. Uh, you know, a plant that they definitely have different different flavors. Um, so, uh, you know, all the more reason to play around with them and see which yeah. one you yeah. like in, in your dish.
1: Agreed. Wow. Oh, yeah. I really I like agreed. That. Wow. And speaking of playing around with them, so I mean, when you say stir fry, I think of that as the warm up to get into mushrooms, right? Like just toss it into <laughs> yeah. something. You're already adding other vegetables <laughs> into probably, uh, and then uh, a portobello burger as you know your or or a mushroom steak as your final goal. But what do you say Julia to people who can't get over the texture of mushrooms and don't want to try it because of that?
5: So yeah, so there's there's some people that don't like the texture but like the flavor. So, you know, soup would be a good option because you could blend it and then you would definitely get over the texture component True. there because it would be a soup. You could do it that way. Um also you could cut them very small. So my partner hates mushrooms, but he doesn't mind the flavor of them. So I will cut them like very tiny. I really like them. So I'm very motivated to put them in my food, but I'll just cut them so small that they would get lost in a bite. Mm-hmm. You might yep. not notice yep. it down on them. You know what I mean? So blending or slicing, like chopping very finely might be a good option. And then, you, you know, you're getting the fiber, you're getting the B6, B12, vitamin C, vitamin D. You're still getting all the nutrition, you know, mm. that way. So it's it's uh-huh. nice.
2: Yeah. How how about when we talk texture? Because this is fascinating. I never really thought about that being such a put off, and that more so the way you cook them, or you know, some people want them, you know, slathered in something that I guess alters (laughs) that taste, Um, or even you know, close to raw. Like you know, when you have the ones that are that you are safe to eat that way. But again, you get into what like even the diversity in taste. Now you've got me so fascinated to go and line up a bunch of mushrooms. Say, I wonder what that one tastes. What kind is this? Do a mushroom like a cheese tasting. (laughs)
5: <laughs> yes, and you and it's a good point about the raw because when you cook the mushroom, is typically when it gets that uh, like chewy, rubbery texture as yep. opposed yes. to eating it raw. You know, and I've, I've I've encountered a lot of people that use a raw mushroom in their Caesar salad. It's it's an ingredient yes. that they no and I don't oh. I don't mind it, but the texture is really different. So that might be something to play with. I mean, maybe because some mushrooms are fine to eat raw, so maybe you like the texture of it raw. Something to consider if you don't like the texture of a cooked mushroom, because that is when it like it gets spongy.
1: But that so sauté not... smell—like you're missing out it's... on that incredible aroma. I know. When you I toss know, the mushrooms into that hot oil or butter, oh my I was just going God. to say,
2: isn't it more the hot Ooh. oil and butter that's no, giving you that the smell? No, it's the mushroom.
1: Ah, mushroom.
5: If you if you walk into a kitchen that's got mushrooms and onions in yes. a pan of butter, I mean, is there anything yeah. better? Maybe garlic. That's right. Yeah.
1: The taste and of, the of the smell of the garlic. butter,
2: garlic and onions, oh. you're right. And yes. mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> we know what we're talking about. That's <laughs> Julia, right. Yeah. Oh, that gosh, is so good. I will good. Only worry
2: about the taste thanks. Mm, mm.
1: Yeah. I, I... <laughs> I mean, again, heads up to make sure what mushrooms you can eat raw or eat at all or, you know, what you're going to do with them. Julia, thank you so much. This is so good. Thanks, guys mushrooms every day this week. That's what I say. Julia Karantz is joining us. Different ones. Yeah, yeah. There's so many to choose from. Julia Karantz is joining us for Nutrition Talk every other week opposite our wellness contributions with uh, Francis Wong. And after the break, we're going to talk about some ventures, some entrepreneurship and chocolate. This is Kelly and Ramya.
0: Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
1: Kelly McDonald, Kelly McDonald and Rumia Umithin here on Kelly and Rumia. And if you thought we were talking about mushrooms, we're not. I wanted to say one last thing, Kelly. Please indulge me. I made a mushroom medley after my trip, <laughs> mushroom picking. And it was, you know, over the break we were talking about not knowing exactly the taste difference and the consistency difference and all that stuff. And I was thinking, that's so true, until I made this mushroom medley. And just sauteed a whole bunch of mushrooms together and ate it like as a side. And then it's when I realized, oh my goodness, yeah, there's so much difference between the different species of mushrooms. So you and I, we're going to sign up for a mushroom tasting, right?
2: Did Did you cook those all the same?
1: Yes, we, all of those were okay to uh, cook together and cook over ah. quickly on high heat.
2: And when you, did you, do you recall which ones were which? No idea. Can't remember. If I did something like that, that's, that would be my result.
0: I don't know which one this one, but I like more of these. Yeah, exactly. Can't... I hope
2: the guy at the grocery store remembers. Yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. And, and really cool. And I think that's the best way to really try something out to get yourself feeling good about, about something and really learning about something. Mm-hmm. I we get that opportunity right now, folks. When Susie York decided to use her youngest daughter's college fund to start Susie Good Fats, she created a truly worldwide adventure. It culminated in her latest product, uh, the 4X Better Chocolate. Let's learn a little bit more about this venture with Susie as she joins us on the program. Susie, welcome to Kelly and Ramya.
3: Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: And you are a, a tremendous athlete into the. the the taking care of oneself. So I'm quite excited for this conversation as well. Um, But first let's, let's get into the business. Tell us a little bit about it and how you got it started.
3: Well, I got this second brand started the Forex better chocolates that we're just launching Mm -hmm. now really uh, as a follow-up to my first brand. I got the entrepreneurial bug at age 50 to launch my first brand, Susie's Mm. good fats. And that gave me, you know, they experience the confidence to realize that, you know, I want to do my part to change the world, to change how we eat, to get the message out there that, you know, fats are good, sugar's bad. And then now, you know, again, with 4X Better Chocolate, zero grams of sugar added and making chocolate healthier again. You know, we, 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 we keep the healthy part of the chocolate that was always there. But we don't need to add all this other stuff that kind of sneaked into chocolate Mm. and gave it the bad rap.
1: Agreed. Totally on board with keeping the healthy in the chocolate and uh, bringing the good rap back. Now, are we allowed to ask how your daughter reacted to her college fund? Being used oh, for the she, she gets <laughs> upset every time. Like she, um, you know, the first time she heard that
3: played back, she was like, oh my God, mom, like you, and now she's 23. So if you want to get her going, you just have to say that she was pretty, she didn't know at the time. So, but now if you get her going now, she's been through her five years of business degree at McGill. So uh she kind of got, got through it. Um But you can get her going by bringing
2: that up. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, you know what? I mean, you took that money and, and in her mind, gee, I was going to create some good food, some wonderful chocolate. Hey, you stole my idea too, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so here's the question because those of us who really love chocolate have to get the answer to this. Tell us about the product itself and how it tastes. Well, the,
3: the chocolate tastes phenomenal and there's really kind of two things to it. First, Making making chocolate is not that hard. Making great tasting chocolate and high quality chocolate is really an art mm. form mm-hmm. because the mm. conching and the tempering, I really, really need to be particular. So a lot of chocolatey brands say, forget it. I'm just going to use, you know, compound like fake chocolate because real chocolate is hard to make. You need, you know, right. 24 hours of, of, of tempering and you need the right conch and all that stuff. So the chocolate base, we just don't need to add a whole bunch of sugar. My my partner found a way to infuse the chocolate with the natural sweeteners—a little bit of stevia, a little bit of erythritol—so that you don't. You have the beautiful sweetness. There's a little bit of natural curing chocolate and, and sugar in the milk, but you have beautiful dark chocolate outside, milk chocolate inside, without adding all of the sugar. And then we infused it with uh, with the vitamins and the supplements to make it a truly functional chocolate. But we start with the cacao in Ecuador and the cacao in Ecuador is where all the flavor grows inside the cacao bean. So you don't need to add natural flavors, Nope, artificial flavors, of course not. It just naturally occurring as the little cacao beans grow in the little backyards we call them farms but they're really backyards right in the heart of ecuador so we're single origin bean to bar which i think is exceptionally rare i don't even think any grocery chains in north america have like large have brands that are right. mad, like specialty stores might have some so it's right. pretty how, how
2: come thing. how come it's like is it because the work it's that expensive. you mentioned mm-hmm. well okay what yep. happens
3: is when you make chocolate, the larger companies, and I was, you know, 15 years at the larger companies, they want to find ways to save money. So they they go on the commodity market, they buy the cacao, whatever's cheaper, and then they send it to one place to kind of even it out. But then all the, the cacao tastes different. So they they do a chemical processing with alkali, and you'll see that on the ingredients often, right? Process with alkali. Right even it out, then they ship it somewhere else to be uh, to be uh, tempered and deposited. So you kind of have this big process that's designed to save cost to cost save and kind of mm. you know not you can add flavor so you don't worry about natural about having the beans have natural flavor. but if you want what we have, which is a Ecuadorian taste, bean to bar natural flavor like without having to add natural flavorings or anything. It's a, it's a more unique process, and it's small batches. It's roasted on site. Small, medium, large beans get roasted just the perfect time, so that's more expensive usually, and and no one's really thought about bringing it to, to Canada or the U.S. in a way where you can build a brand that celebrates the social responsibility, and the higher- antioxidants, flavonoids, that you now find in these cacao beans, because they haven't been processed like crazy, like some other chocolates.
1: Anything else that you want to mention? I mean, these are really great ways that you're talking about supporting the natural process and uh, nature around us, that social responsibility you're talking about, the environment. Uh, Anything else you want to mention in this regard?
3: Well, I think it, it's absolutely key now that I've learned, you know, I've spent the last year and a half uh, learning about the the way the products are grown and social responsibility around cacao and coffee and a bunch of other products. Fair right. trade is really, really, really key. And as mm-hmm. you know, a mom, uh, we have our products are fair trade uh with uh four young adults teenagers i think you know we really have a responsibility everything that we buy we we have a lot of purchasing power uh every week and it makes a huge difference if if we can look for products that are certified fair trade we're women's own i'm also lgbt and uh, our founders are bipoc so we're we're trying to you know kind of really have diversity as much as we can with with both our founders and our employees and representation and and messaging but the fair trade is is
1: really really important Mm -hmm. and it is more expensive but it's worth it that's the substance of your brand though right like that is your passion why you got into it you said the the bug hit you at 50 like there's there's so much it's much deeper than just oh chocolate on the table for people
3: Yeah. And I was one of those, like I was proud for 10 years, I had chocolate every single day and I was watching my fat, right. I was training for Ironman. I was, you know, like many women in their forties, like, okay, I got a balance, watch what I eat. Um, I worked at, at Weight Watchers before. So I I knew a lot about nutrition and, but I had, you know, I cheated with milk chocolate every day. Now Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my Mm -hmm. God, no, really. I was just getting, you know, a rush of sugar. And, and now that I know what I know, I really want to do my part to get the word out, you know, Uh-oh. fats are good, sugar is not good, healthy chocolate exists. Yes. You just have to yeah. keep the healthy flavonoids and antioxidants and uh, not load it up with sugar.
2: And you're reaching out and getting into communities too that people just don't have that knowledge of uh, at times and, and are, are a little left in the dark about so many of these things. And that's really wonderful. Uh, when, when you look at that, when you're it, the diversity, I want to know about the feedback that you've got since you launched.
3: Well, we're just, just starting, but it, it's really exciting. The national, the the retailers in Canada, including the large national retailers have all supported us We're launching a second line of vitamins in the US and we're just rolling out in two weeks and and we saw them on the screen. So instead of gummy bears or pills, you have the same delicious chocolate infused with lots of vitamins. The feedback is phenomenal. Uh, There is a lot of support for being socially responsible and doing the right thing. And we're, you know, we've been able to do it because of my unique partnership. We're been able to do it at a like a cost-effective price. So Mm -hmm. we're not, you know, we're able to make it available at the larger and and chains at the natural health food stores, so that everyone can have access
1: to it versus just you know being very 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 niche. Yeah. And what I love is, honestly, Susie, as you speak about this chocolate, it doesn't sound like too much of a difficult decision to make to choose this product. You know, in in the days and times that we live in right now, excuse me, we're constantly battling having to make the decisions of socially responsible or inexpensive or, you know, bad for us health wise.
3: Yeah, we've tried to hit on all aspects and kind of remove all barriers. And because of the partnership with the my partner who owns the plant in Ecuador, you know, and my background, like we're able to bring uh, a reasonably priced pure chocolate, mm-hmm. nothing infused and added. So you know, you can get a healthier chocolate finally, and you don't have to compromise. Right, yeah, which is amazing. That's no, so important. Where can we find the product? in Canada? Well, the, the quickest way to find it right now is on our website. So the better or .ca. Um, we're going to be on Amazon. We're rolling out, uh, into the natural health food stores now. So anyone who, you know, go to your neighborhood health food store and the two largest distributors, uh, have, have the codes and they can just access it. They'll bring it in. But as the weeks go by, the months go by, it'll be in more and more stores and we'll be in Amazon in about a month also so we're just uh, and, but the website's the quickest way to get your hands on some
2: yeah <laughs> and that's the key isn't it just making it available talking it up like this and you know letting people know yeah man you can still enjoy have fun and and be healthier and so many of us we know that's the buzz that's the thing we need to be able to do easily and if something's easy to find we're, we're all for that anything else in closing susie that you want to put out there about either things coming up or the product
3: yeah, like it's really exciting as a, a young, and uh, like a, as an entrepreneur with a young brand, I'd like to say young entrepreneur too. Um, <laughs> as an yes. entrepreneur with a, young, with a young brand to have a lot of support. It's really, really hard post COVID to launch brands. I'm still doing yes. it from the same dining room table as still taking more savings now um, than I had. So the support we can get To break through because we don't have the resources of the the big companies really makes a big big difference. So I'm I'm one of the few kind of new brands launching in this this big tough world. So appreciate all of the support
1: that we can get. Are you training? It is so tough. Yes, it is. Uh, Real real quick, are you training for any upcoming Ironmans? No, I, I'm not. My my partner would
3: would. Uh, oh my goodness, that would be crazy right now because I'm still on you know the board of my first company and that's that takes up a lot of time. And then I'm launching this startup with her. Um, but I did buy a bike. My my old bike was 2006, and I spoiled myself uh, this this summer and I got a new bike. So I will be uh, last summer. I will be riding a little bit more, and then. Who knows what happens once you start writing. Mm-hmm.
2: Back <laughs> Too in many it. miles, right? That's what happens after 11 <laughs> <Yeah>. Ironman. <laughs> Thanks, Susie. Appreciate you joining us.
3: Thank you very much.
2: Good luck and really wonderful. Uh, that was Susie York talking to us about her 4X Better Chocolate. Uh, really fantastic and really a lot to learn about there, Ramya.
1: Oh my gosh, I love chocolate, and if it's healthier, the better. We have a whole other hour of Kelly and Romeo coming up, hour two. Amy Kuo is going to be a guest on that one with the Ontario Caregivers Organization. She has tips for what we can do for all the loving and important caregivers in our lives. Plus, we're talking travel memorabilia, uh, posters, travel posters and roadmaps on our collection segment. But after the break, we have a community report with Tony Freimark. We'll be right back.
0: Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
2: Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on
5: YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.